the brain is so complex and there are so many reasons why we don't stick to those habits that we want to create. And one of the reasons is sometimes we will go too hard too soon. So our brains are only capable of changing up to three things at once. And if you think of even a change in our work environment or, you know, we're trying to exercise more or we're trying to meditate more, all those things are using up self-control until they become habitual. Once they're habitual, you don't need your self-control then. But initially, any kind of behavior change requires a lot of motivation, a lot of reminding yourself and a lot of consistency. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode 218 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. My name is Fiona Kalaki. I'm your host and I'm really excited that you're going to be sharing this episode with me today. So pat yourself on the back because this is a good one, especially if you are somebody who kind of plans all these things, but doesn't feel like you actually execute on them or you don't stick to stuff that you said you were going to stick to. So yes, my guest is absolutely in the realm of solving that. It's just such a fun episode. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Before we get stuck into that, I just want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on this beautiful land on which I record this podcast, the Wurundjeri and Warong people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. And I also welcome and pay my respects to any other Indigenous people who might be tuning in and listening today. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. All right, on to today's small business interview. All right, so if you have been listening to this for a while or maybe you've just caught the odd episode here and there, you may know that I have been on a kind of journey of health the last two years and not just health like, you know, eating right and exercising more, but health in terms of spiritual health, health in terms of holistic health. And I was watching a documentary series that was on, I think it was ABC or SBS a while ago on TV about sort of this health transformation that people in all sorts of areas were doing. And they had this guest on and I listened to her talk and I thought she is really interesting. She's a doctor who specializes in habits and, you know, how do we change our habits? How do we form our habits? So she's a habit scientist and she's got a PhD and really is helping so many people around the world understand how the brain works in relation to habits and how we can, you know, 
transform our way of either sticking to habits or removing those habits that may not be the best for us. So I asked Dr. Gina if she would be interested in coming on and talking about habits in relation to small business. Now, I have worked with thousands of small business owners over the last six and a half years since I started this business. I think I'm into my, no, I'm in my seventh year now. And what I can say is that there are a lot of people who will tell me, oh God, I have this bad habit of X, Y, Z, or yeah, I just can't get in the habit to do X, Y, Z. And I'm definitely not somebody who's like hustle, hustle, hustle. I don't believe in productivity just for the sake of productivity, but I do know that when you can, you know, garner good habits, when you can cultivate, I call them helpful habits. And if you've got my book, Passion, Purpose, Profit, you will have seen in there, I talk about a whole section on helpful habits and habits that hinder and sort of differentiating the two and and looking at the habits that are kind of hindering you and transforming into habits that can actually help you. And today's guest, Dr. Gina Cleo, is just the leading expert on that. And so, yeah, I absolutely had to have her on and talk about why do we come up with habits? And is there any truth in things like, oh, it takes 21 days to break a habit? And how can small business owners take on the science to actually transform themselves and create and start and stick to the habits that they know will most help them in business and in life? So yes, here it is, my conversation with Dr. Gina Cleo, a habit scientist and an all-round guru when it comes to habits. Hello, Dr. Gina. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Fiona. It's great to be here with you. Oh, you're so, so welcome. And how are you feeling today? And also, where are you coming from? Like, where are you right now? I'm feeling good. The sun is shining. It's a lovely day on the Gold Coast. I Right now, I'm in my office. I work part-time at Bond University, and I am there today. Oh, nice. And are you all safe? You're not in any way impacted by the floods right now? I am. Thankfully, my neighbors weren't so lucky. I do live in a low level spot. I'm on acreage and I, my house backs onto a river. So that <gasps> get a little bit high, well, very high. But thankfully, my house is a couple of steps up. So I was okay. But yeah, we were pulling out water from the neighbor's house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that is just so heartbreaking, all of the things. I'm glad you were okay. And I hope your neighbor will be okay as well. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So I mentioned your business in the intro just now, but I'd love you to tell us a bit more about it. Like how did it start? When did it start? And why, most importantly, did you start it? Yeah, so I finished a PhD a few years ago in habit change, and there are only about five habit researchers in the world. And I did a lot of media interviews about one of the studies that I'd published. And a lot of the times the journalists would say, where can people find out more and what next? And I really had nowhere to send people. And that's when I realized that there just wasn't a lot of evidence-based content in the you know about the habit space out there and so i just put together a little course about habit change well when i say little course it was a big course about <laughs> changing habits and you know really understanding the neuroscience of habit change and so that's why it started and i started it about 3 or 4 years ago wow and so do you serve all sorts of people or are there particular people? Like when you said you work at Bond University, are you working with academics? Like are you working with students? Yeah, I do a bit of everything. So the courses that I run are for, originally they were for 
people that wanted to work with others. So it was for coaches and health practitioners that really wanted to understand about habits so that they can help their clients. And then I expanded and now I've written courses for everyday people. And my work at Bond is really helping students understand a bit more about study habits, but I also work with academics. So I do things like organizational habits and oh, the world of habits. Once you understand the theory of it, you can really apply it to any area of life. So I do a lot of research in the habit space here as well. Wow. And I guess habits are like one of those things that everybody, every single person on the planet will have habits that are good and habits that are not so great or not so helpful. I always sort of talk to clients about habits that help, habits that hinder in terms of of businesses. But I'd love to know, obviously, we're still going through this pandemic and so many people are finding it, you know, really hard to either stick to habits or maybe they developed new habits that are either, you know, good or bad or somewhere in between during the last few years. As like an expert in this field, one of five, that's crazy that, I mean, given how many habits like we're trying to change, I would have thought there's more people that study it. But as an expert, how do you think that the pandemic has and and is continuing to impact people's ability to stick to habits or to form positive or helpful habits? Oh, it has been absolutely fascinating, actually, seeing how our habits have been really shaken up in this pandemic. And the reason for that is because our habits are very much associated with our environment. And also, the more stressed we are, the more we fall back onto habits and the more rushed we are. And, you know, whenever we're sort of time poor or energy poor, we will fall back onto habits. But with a pandemic, if you think of how many things we used to do, as part of our daily routine, whether that be a commute or things that we did in the office or things that we did with work colleagues that we no longer did if, say, we were working from home, then all of those habits fell away and we started to create new habits in these new routines where we were working from home and we weren't able to go out to, say, the gym or go into the office or things like that. So our habits really changed. And now that people are transitioning back or some people are transitioning back into their old routines, it's interesting to see some of these frozen habits, as I like to call them, really like come back into people's worlds again. But it's been so fascinating to see how our habits have been changing because of this pandemic. Oh my goodness. There's so much in that. And I feel like there's, I love how you call them frozen because they're not, they're not gone. They just need to thaw out kind of thing (laughs) to come back. I'd also love to to hear, so how do habits even begin? Because you've just mentioned the environment, but I know that, you know, this is a small business podcast. A lot of the people that listen to this run a small business. And I'm wondering if you could just like talk us through how they start. Because I think we, we spend a lot of time trying to fix them or change them or develop new ones. But how do we, how do they even come about? Especially the ones we're not even aware of until somebody else kind of points out being like, oh, that's a bit of your habit. Yeah. It's crazy how much, I mean, our habits are completely mindless, right? It's definitely not something we are aware of because they are our automatic behaviors. So it is so interesting. Yeah. When you point people's habits out and they're like, oh, I didn't even realize I do that all the time. Every habit requires three key ingredients and they are a cue or a trigger, 
the routine, which is the habit itself, and then the reward, which is the reason why you continue to do that habit. Habits are energy preserving. So we'll generally form habits because it's either, it's, it's essentially saving our brain power from having to think about having to do that thing. It's when our brain starts to recognize, okay, every time I turn on my computer, I first thing I do is check my emails. And I've done that every day for the last few days. And so then your brain starts to create these neural pathways that create this automatic response. Every time you open your email, your brain goes, I know what's next. We check our emails. And so then like as soon as we turn on the computer, our brain then prompts us to check our emails. And it's essentially a pattern. So when you repeat something in the same context, which is the same time or the same place, as the more you repeat it in that context, As soon as you encounter the context, your brain goes, I know what's next. And that's when we start to then do that habit. And the more you do it, the more automatic it becomes until eventually it just becomes like second nature. So habits are always triggered by something else. And one of the examples I like to give is when you put on a seatbelt, when you sit in the car, it's the only time you're ever prompted to put on your seatbelt. You know, you don't get the urge to put on your seatbelt any other time. But sitting in the car is the trigger and putting on your seatbelt is the routine. And the reward that you get from that is, you know, abiding by the law or keeping yourself safe. So that's how a habit is formed. It's a cue, routine, reward cycle. And is there always a reward? Like when you said before, you know, with the with the seatbelt, obviously, you know, there's some sort of unconscious thing of I'm keeping myself safe. And, and especially like if you've got kids, definitely like I will triple check my kids, you know, seatbelts to be like, you know, they're in, they're safe. And there is that, okay, they're safe now. So God forbid anything happens. But is there, you know, because sometimes there must be a bunch of things that we're doing where there doesn't actually seem a reward. If somebody's at home thinking, you know, with the email, for instance, is that like a hit of dopamine or is that, oh, somebody's, you know, I'm important. Somebody's validated me by sending my emails or, or what it would be the reward. Is it just, I'm doing this and it makes me feel important or? Absolutely. There's always a reward and the reward will be different for every person, but there's always some kind of reward. Even if you're not aware of it, even if you're in denial of what the reward is, there's always a reward. Otherwise your brain wouldn't have this reinforced behavior that it's doing over and over again, because if something is painful for us, we're not going to keep doing it. If something's inconvenient or unpleasant or painful, we're not going to keep doing it and certainly not habitually. So the reward can be literally like reducing your anxiety because you're going to have less emails tomorrow if you get them done today. Or yeah, it could be that validation or that sense of importance or, you know, there are so many different things. It could just be because this is the routine and you're rewarded. We're really comfortable in routines. So it could just be that you're playing that out. Mm. Oh my goodness. This is fascinating. And then on the flip side, then like in, you know, we talked about how they start. Let's think about actually a habit you want to form. That's a positive one. Why do you think people can't stick to those habits? So for example, I work with lots and lots of clients from all sorts of walks of life, but quite often they'll say, you know, I've I've mapped out my week and I've figured out, you know, how I can do more time blocking, or I've figured out that I can set some boundaries with clients by, you know, really only getting back to them at this time of day or all sorts of things that they're trying to do or making time for exercise or making time to, 
you know, meditate. Even when I usually start clients, we do like a one minute, just one minute deep breathing. (laughs) And even that, you know, sometimes I'll hear from them going, God, I never even take a minute to myself to just breathe. And so people, they know that they want to do this or they'll say, I want to get off Instagram and stop checking it all the time. And yet they won't stick to it. Is it, is it purely a habit of like a habit (laughs) of doing it for a certain amount of days or doing it for a certain amount of weeks and then it will stick? Yeah, the brain is so complex and there are so many reasons why we don't stick to those habits that we want to create. And one of the reasons is sometimes we will go too hard too soon. So our brains are only capable of changing up to three things at once. And if you think of even a change in our work environment or, you know, we're trying to exercise more or we're trying to meditate more, all those things are using up self-control until they become habitual. Once they're habitual, you don't need your self-control then. But initially, any kind of behavior change requires a lot of motivation, a lot of reminding yourself, and a lot of consistency. So a habit takes on average 66 days to form. And we're told it's like 21 days or 28 days, but it's not. It's on average 66 days. So we need to keep on keeping on. The more consistent you are with a habit, the more likely you are to sustain it. But also it's really important to address our triggers. So all that cue that I was talking about earlier, when you want to perform a new habit, it's really important to say, okay, at this time, like when I turn my computer on in the morning, I'm going to do one minute of deep breathing. And it has to be associated with something else, which is like turning on your computer or entering the office or whatever it might be because that's the only way that you're going to be consistent with it without having to constantly remind yourself. And then eventually, every time you encounter that cue, that habit will play out automatically. But that's one of the biggest things that we, I guess that we don't do very well is associate triggers with those behaviors that we want to adopt. And then finally, we don't necessarily have great accountability. Accountability is so important. We know that it doubles our chances of success. So whether that's through like a habit diary or a habit tracker or an app or even just a colleague or a friend, uh, it's really important to have that accountability with somebody. I was just going to ask you about that. And you've sort of mentioned the accountability, but in terms of the trigger and the cue and like, where does if anything, motivation come into this? Is there, you know, if somebody really wants to change a habit, so say for instance, uh, I stopped drinking four years ago, I'll still have like a glass of wine maybe once or twice a year, but I was just finding myself that I wasn't having, you know, I was thinking I was being super healthy by not having wine Monday to Thursday. And then what would happen is that I'd get a bottle on Friday, I'd get a bottle on Saturday, like, and so I just was like, this doesn't add anything to my life. And so My husband also decided to give up at the same time. And that was really great. We also gave up coffee that year, but there was a huge motivation, which was trying to have a second child. So does motivation play a role or does it not? I know I've read, you know, things on both sides about if you want to change a habit, you know, what's your motivator? Like what's the thing that you are really looking forward to if you change it? But does it always have to be there, motivation? Motivation certainly helps to change a habit at the very early days. And then once that habit's developed, you don't need motivation anymore. I know for me, for example, like no matter how tired I am, no matter how stressed I am, no matter how time poor I am, I will always brush my teeth in the morning and before I go to bed. I don't need motivation to do that. 
but I can't say the same for some other things in my life that I do need to be motivated to continue doing. So once you've developed a habit, you don't need motivation, but it certainly does help when you're changing a habit, whether it's forming a new one or breaking an old one. It's just really great to have that bigger goal in mind. Like for you, it was to have a second child and that was so important for you. And it's more important for you than drinking and that kept you motivated. And probably without that, you may have had more relapses where you're like, oh, it doesn't matter too much. Like there's a good occasion or it's a Saturday Mm -hmm. night. We've had a big week. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But because you had that really big goal that kept you that, you know, that was your eye on the prize. Mm -hmm. And when you said before, like just even then mentioning relapse, so say someone saying, you know, I'm just going to, so a big one, I put out a podcast ages ago on how I've set limits to all my social media. So it's like 15 minutes on Facebook, half an hour on Instagram, and then everything just sort of turns off. So I I literally can't do anything else after that. And I've had so many clients who are like, okay, yeah, I looked at my, you know, I looked at my usage. I'm spending three to four hours on Instagram a day. I'm really trying to cut down to half an hour. And so when you said it takes 66 days, if you relapse or if you stop doing the habit for, let's say, like two or three days during that, does the 66 days start again? from the day one again? Great question. So the research shows that if you have a couple of days in a row where you've stopped doing the habit, you can pick yourself back up and the days aren't restarting. So that's a really good thing. And also when you think of neural pathways in your brain, so they are like the things that tell your brain what to do essentially, the more you do something, the more your neural pathways will grow and they'll develop and they'll get stronger. And the less you do something, the smaller and weaker those neural pathways become in your brain. So it's not actually starting again, thank goodness, because your brain is actually already helping you towards that goal. So say it's reducing your social media usage, your brain is starting to not push you towards that usage because you're not doing it as much. And so you're not going straight back to where you started, even though it might feel like that. It's certainly not. You're already well on your way to achieving that goal. You just the, I, the whole goal is to pick yourself up and to keep going straight away. Don't wait for Monday. Don't wait for the new year. You know, just pick yourself up straight away and keep going. Mm, such good advice. And I'm glad it doesn't <laughs> clock back to like day 61. So 66 is starting again. Oh no, we would never get there because success is so not linear. We know that, you know, mm. forming habits or changing habits, it's such a journey of two steps forward, one step back. And that's how it's meant to be because our habits are so mindless. You know, so often we're halfway through a habit and we're like, oh, I said I wouldn't do that. I forgot. <laughs> and I, you might've even had that before when you, you, know, you drive somewhere and you think, I don't even remember driving here. Mm-hmm. How did I actually get here? Yeah. And that's because a habitual behavior, it's automatic. And so it's natural for you to have relapses, especially at the very beginning. But yeah, just pick yourself up and keep going as quickly as possible again. Wow. And then how did you get interested in habits? Have you always been interested in this? Is this something like you grew up in a family that had like really good habits and talked about habits? Like what was your upbringing like? And I guess, yeah, where did your interest in habits come into play? Yeah, certainly not my family. I've always been really science-minded. I've always been a bit of a geek like that. 
I trained as a dietitian and I was a dietitian for about 12 years and I absolutely loved my career. But I found that I could really help somebody on a short-term basis. And then those same clients would come back and we would be working on the same goals that we already worked so hard to achieve already. And so I wanted to learn more about sustainable change. And so I, that's when I started doing my PhD and I actually had no idea what I was looking for. I was just searching literature about sustainable behavior change. I was trying to understand more about the brain. And the more reading I did, the more I realized there's this whole fascinating world in habit change and that that's really what it was all about. So that's how I I became interested. And as soon as the penny dropped for me with habit change and, you know, I ran a few studies and they were super successful. That's when I decided that my whole world needed to be dedicated to this amazing topic. And I mean, it's so sad to say, Fiona, but I'm the girl on the beach who's like got a habit textbook. And that's what I'm reading (laughs) on my weekends when other people are reading love novels. It's just something I'm, yeah, super fascinated with. Oh my goodness. And so can I also ask then, like, what are your habits? Like, I think you don't have to tell us all your personal habits, but have there been habits that you have had to really cultivate, even though you're an expert in this field? Yeah, I've definitely, I've got really good habits and I've still got habits that I'm I'm not really happy with, but I just haven't focused enough on trying to break them, to be honest. And certainly the pandemic has affected my habits a lot. And I work in very hybrid ways. Like I'm part-time at home and part-time in the office. And that really changes what I do from day to day and how I eat and how I interact with people and how I run my work day really changes depending on where I am. But I'm really good with exercise. I love training in the morning. I walk my dog every day. So there's some habits I have. Some terrible habits I have is probably being on social media late at night. And <laughs> it's not something I enjoy doing, but I, you know, I obviously I'm getting rewarded from that. So I do do that too much, um, too much screen time. But yeah, I mean, I'm very aware of my habits because I'm conscious of patterns in my life and the things that serve me and the things that aren't serving me. And so that is like, perfect lead up to what I wanted to ask as well, which is when you said, you know, I, I know I need to not be on social media so much at night, for example, how can people recognize if a habit is just a habit and it's, it's not really good or bad. It's just something you do, or it's something that is actually negatively impacting your life in some way. You know, sometimes when say, again, I'm just using the social media thing when clients are like, Oh, I'm in social media. And then, you know, often it might lead to comparison between another business owner or somebody else in a similar industry or a competitor or whatever. And then they can get down on themselves and it kind of can go to this whole spiral. And then they might work on it for a bit and then they'll be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, kind of everyone's on social media kind of thing. So how do you know if it's just something that you do? Say like my husband always leaves a cup on one side of the sink and it really irritates me. And we've been together 15 years and I don't think he's ever going to change that. I'm going to be, we have laughed, like I'll be in my eighties asking you to put the cup on the other side after you've washed it. And it doesn't really impact anyone except it annoys me. But like, then there might be something else that he does or that I do that's, that's actually really negative. Yeah. Yeah. The cup would drive me insane as well. I'll just excited <laughs> on that. Um, thank you. Thank you. My, you're my supporter. <laughs> absolutely. I think the question is really asking yourself, how do I feel about, you know, how do I feel after doing this habit? And 
what are some of the, I guess, the pros and cons? Firstly, why am I doing it? What is it fulfilling? What question is it answering or what mood is it coming out? And, you know, am I always checking social media when I'm lonely, for example? And am I actually feeling a true connection when I'm checking social media? And I think it's having those really hard, honest conversations with ourselves sometimes, but sometimes habits are completely neutral and they're not beneficial or unbeneficial. They just are. And they just preserve energy in our brain and that's completely fine. But sometimes, you know, most of the time they will either serve you or not in one way or another. So yeah, I think the idea is really just to be super mindful about why we're doing the habit first of all and when we're doing it and trying to recognize those patterns. Oh my goodness. Such good advice. I'm going to ask my husband if he's reserving brain power for that why he can't put the cup on the other side. It will be. It's complete laziness, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And so can people book in to talk to you about their habits? I don't see people one-on-one, but I have trained some incredible coaches and you can find them on my website. So I've got a whole list of advanced habit practitioners that I've personally trained, but people can certainly access me through jumping onto one of my courses Mm -hmm. and and I teach all my courses personally and we're on Zoom and it's super interactive. So, and definitely I can answer people's questions that way. Awesome. And so do you also, outside of like getting in, you know, going in and working with you through the courses or working through one of the coaches that have been trained by you, are there other kind of habit tools or habit books or habit apps that you would recommend to people? Yeah, I would definitely recommend something called a habit tracker. So if you Google image habit tracker, you'll see a whole bunch of trackers that come up. They're also available in app form. There's about 50 apps that are habit trackers and some are free and some are not. I don't have any sort of personal favorites, but there's plenty out there. And habit trackers are really important because research shows that we are likely to double our chance of success if we track our habits. And it's habit tracking literally allows you to write down the habit that you want to create or break, and then you tick off every time you've done it. It sounds super simple, and they are super simple, but it helps your brain to, it's like a positive reinforcement. It's like when you you probably might do this with your kids. I know some people do. You give your kids like a gold star every time they do something positive, and yeah. That makes them feel good. It makes them want to do it again. And I'd like to say we grow out of that, but we actually don't. And that positive reinforcement when you give yourself a tick or you cross something off your to-do list actually helps your brain to go, oh, that felt really good. I'm, I'm going to do that again. And it also gives you a beautiful visual representation of how well you're doing with the habits that you're wanting to change. And that supports something called self-efficacy or self-belief. And when you've got self-belief, you feel like you can do anything. Mm, oh, my goodness. It's like the rings on the Apple Watch. If you, yeah. you know, if you walk, it'll be like, yay, you've completed your ring today. And you get yeah. this little like fireworks sort of explosion. Yeah, confetti party. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, completely. And so do you think, I know you've mentioned one just before when you said, you know, there's this sort of myth out there that habits only take 21 days to break. And you've said that they, you know, they don't, they take it 66 at least. Are there any other kind of myths that you want to like myth bust today? Are there anything else that you think is kind of a myth out there around habits? Yeah. Another one is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. 
You certainly can. Our brains are constantly changing. Every single day, our brains are rewiring and old cells die away and new cells are being formed and the same with neural pathways. So whatever habit you have, how, however long you've had it and however strong it feels, you absolutely can change your habits. It doesn't matter how old you are or, or any of that. And certainly our brains are a lot more plastic when we're younger or a lot more malleable when we're younger. But that doesn't mean that we can't change our habits as we get older. And yeah, if we've had them for a really long time, they can still be changed. Mm. And so I'm kind of putting you on the spot here and, and you may be like, that's not my area of expertise. But is there a difference between a habit and a fear? So I am like, well, I would actually say I'm less petrified now, but I I've grown up petrified of spiders my whole life and I live in a very bushy area. So it's really, it's not good to have this fear. And I have slowly, like my habit, I guess, would be, or the the trigger would be the spider. And then I'd be like, ah, and then I'd run away and I'd either kill it or, or just like, I've actually left the house and gone to sleep somewhere else. If there's a spider in the house, even if it's completely like a daddy long legs or something, but my husband has like a spider jar and he's teaching the kids to, you know, just capture the spider, put it outside and I've seen him do it enough that I'm trying to do that. And I've done it a couple of times. So is there a difference? I mean, obviously there's like more severe fears than like being worried about spiders, but is there a, a difference between a, obviously there's a difference, but yeah. What would you say is something that's a fear versus it's just a habit? Yeah. Well, well done with the job, by the way. Well, that's a really great step forward. <laughs> there's definitely a difference. So your fears create a primal response, which is that vital flight mode that you get into. But what you do once you encounter something that you're scared of, that can be habitual. So for you, it's leaving the house and you might do that out of habit every time. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might have a different response to the same kind of fear that you have. But the actual fear is not habitual at all. The actual fear is very much your brain telling you that you're in danger. And that's not something that is within your immediate control. But certainly what you do after you encounter that fear, that's something that you can change. Yeah. Mm, Oh, thank you for answering that. (laughs) And so obviously you have helped many, many people in this business, but also in your previous business and so I'm just wondering, have you had mentors or, or is there a particular mantra or is there a particular book that has helped you with your business? Oh, I've had so many mentors over the years, especially, you know, when I did my PhD, I had some incredible supervisors and mentors along the way and truly people that I couldn't have been where I am without them. I have an amazing agent who helps me with all of my contracting work and my consulting work, which she's just like my rock. But I think it's been little nuggets that I've accumulated over the years. I can't pinpoint one thing that I've gone, yes, definitely. That's been what's really helped me build my business. I think it's just been consistency and and small little things along the way. Oh, I agree. And there's, there's always, I think anyone can be a mentor really to you as you go through life and business. Yeah. And so with the, you know, all of the different things that you do now, like speaking and, and consulting and all these different things, are there any apps or platforms that you just couldn't run your business without? You know, I don't think so. I keep things really simple. I'm like the last person that gets on board with certain things <laughs> because I'm just like, 
you know, I just kind of do my little thing and I keep things really simple, but I do run my courses on Kajabi and that's been really helpful. Zoom, hello, where would we be without Zoom? (laughs) (laughs) But certainly nothing that's like profound or very unique. Well, I think sometimes it's a good thing to be the last one to jump on these things. Like it's sometimes we don't need so much technology in our life. What are you most proud of about your journey in this business? Uh, You know, I am one of the only people in the world that teaches evidence-based habits and I'm so proud of that. I'm certainly the youngest person and the only Australian that gets the honour of doing this. And it is such a big leap because you're, you know, I'm in this space where it's very new, it's very innovative, but it's so important. And I'm really proud of making sure that everything I've ever put out has been very science-based and and evidence-backed. And so that's something that I'm really proud of. You know, I didn't piggyback on anything. I created something that had never been created before. So that's something I'm really proud of. Oh, I love that. I've got a huge smile on my face listening to that. It's so amazing. So you should feel so, so proud of yourself. And not only are you like super young and Australian, but you're a woman in the science field as well. Like it's, it's, I mean, you're ticking so many boxes. It's incredible. Like you should feel so proud. And I'm sure there's so many people that will be listening to this or other people that work with you that are so inspired by you, you know, being this pioneer in this field. Oh, thanks, Fiona. That's so lovely. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And so what is next for you? And to quote the journalist that kind of got you on to, hey, maybe this could be a business, where can people connect with you? Like what's, you've mentioned your courses, is it best to find you on social media? Is it best to find you on your website? What sort of, where will people find you? Yeah, so you can connect with me through my Instagram, which is Dr. Gina Cleo, or my Facebook, which is the same, or through my website, which is also drginacleo.com. I've also got another website, which is the habitchangeinstitute.com. And that's for anyone who's really interested in learning about how to help their clients. So whether you're a coach, for example, that might be something that interests you on there. But what's next for me? I have been asked to write a book several times. So I think that might be one of the things that I do. You know, after writing a 100,000 word thesis and three courses, I was like, writing a book is the last thing I feel like doing. (laughs) But I do think that writing a book would just allow the message about habits to really, you know, be in the community freely and available, you know, make it more available. So I think that might be what's next for me. Oh, I was literally thinking the whole way through when you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish she had a book. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, there are so many books on habits. So I guess that's why it's sort of fascinating to be like, oh my God, there's only, you know, five people doing this with evidence based. And I think that's such an important thing because so often you can read these books and then, you know, feel like a failure that you're not sticking to the habits or whatever. But if they're not, you know, taught with that evidence base, perhaps they're not being taught in a certain way that actually is useful for people. So true. And I think, as you know, if something's not practical, it doesn't make sense. And then it just leaves you feeling like you can't achieve it. And it is frustrating. Just like you said, you know, I know that one of the really popular books talks about being 1% better. And it's like, that is not a measurable outcome. Mm. It doesn't actually make tangible sense and it's not evidence-based. So mm. although it's really popular and it's out there and if it helps people, that's awesome. But yeah, I really love being able to put things out that I'm 
that I'm 100% sure will work for the majority of people because that's what the science shows us will happen. So yeah, that'll be the journey. Oh, I love it. This has been so fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. And as soon as you get that book out, let us know so we can post it around for our audiences. But yeah, thank you so, so much for coming in. This has been really fascinating. Oh, thanks, Fiona. It's been so lovely to chat to you. Thanks for listening, everyone. What an interesting conversation. I just want to say thank you again to Dr. Gina Cleo for coming on and talking about habits and the science behind it and the way that our brain actually works. Because I think so often we can think, oh, this is my fault. I can't get off Instagram or I can't, you know, why can't I, I don't know, batch create my content or why can't I do X, Y, Z in my business that I know would actually help me. And I love that she talked about, you know, so many different ways to help yourself create and cultivate those habits. And I also love that Dr. Gina was like, I don't have perfect habits myself. You know, I've got things that I need to work on. So I absolutely love chatting to her. And I would love to know what you most took away from this episode with Dr. Gina Cleo. I mean, there's so many things. I was taking a lot of notes, but one of the things that really stood out for me was the idea of 66 days, that it, a habit does not just change in three weeks. I think we have heard that so many times, if I could just stick to it for three weeks. But I also loved in that that she talked about, you know, the longer you're not doing that, the easier it is to not do it. It's kind of like a catch-22. And then the, the more often you're doing it, the more that sort of part of your brain is getting fired up and being like, this is what we do when X, Y, Z happens. So, you know, if I go into Instagram and I see my competitor doing this, then the brain is like, this is what we normally do. We go down this path as opposed to, you know, looking at the trigger and the cues and and looking at how you can amend or change those so that over time you are less likely to, I don't know, go down a shame spiral or, or some other way that you might go. So that was the first thing. I love that she sort of blew that myth out of the water that, you know, you can change your habit so quickly and that it does take work. And it's like anything else in life that, you know, it does take a bit of effort as well. So absolutely love that point. The other point that I loved that Dr. Gina talked about was this idea of motivation and that yes, you need it at the start for sure. But then once you have developed a habit, you don't need the motivation as much. And I think that can be something that, you know, people sit and sort of wait for this motivation to strike like, oh, if I could just get myself motivated, I could do it. And I know like from my own experience that sometimes I just need to take action and then the motivation comes. It's kind of like, Say I just, so I go for morning walks quite often. And if you follow me on Instagram at my daily business coach, you may have well seen the walks that I go on. I'm often taking photos and sharing it. It's a part of my life. I love where I live. We chose very intentionally to live where we do. We're very, very, very lucky to live where we do. But the nature that surrounds me is a huge part of my life. And I try and get into that as much as possible. But there are definitely mornings when, say, my youngest has been up during the night or I'm stressed or, you know, something's in my mind and I just can't be bothered to get out of bed and go for that walk. But I know that when I push myself to do it, I actually have such, I'm totally always surprised at how much my mood changes. I go out, like I might be like, oh, I'm so tired. I've got so much on, blah, 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 blah. The kids didn't sleep. And then I get up and I'm surrounded by this nature. I meet, (laughs) there's these two wonderful older gentlemen that I often see on one particular walk that I do. And I just love having a chat to them. I love seeing that they're up and about. I know exactly where I'm at because one of them always walks on the dot (laughs) of a certain hour. And so 
I know that I'm kind of late or I'm early, depending on where he is with his dogs. And it just, it just gives me a much better mood in the morning. And I just love it. I love the attitude that you have when you come back from a walk, but that's not to say that I have the motivation all the time, but I definitely started doing this much more regularly because of the pandemic and this whole sort of, you know, health journey. And I can say that now I don't need as much motivation because it's just a habit. I know the days that I go, I know the times that I go. I also have two dogs that need to be walked, but yeah, it's, it's definitely really followed that pattern that Dr. Cleo talked about, which is the, you need the motivation at the start. And then, you know, and during the pandemic, my motivation was, let's be real. I need to get out of the house. I need to get away from everyone. I want to have a nice walk. And so, yeah, I started doing that. And now the motivation is not necessarily has to be there because I'm going to do it. I know that even if I wake up and I'm like, I'm still going to get up and do it. So, because I know that I feel really good afterwards and it's a habit that I love now. And hopefully it's a habit that I'm going to keep up forever. So, you know, what a good habit to have getting up early in the morning and going out for a beautiful walk, especially being surrounded where I am. So I would love to know what you heard from Dr. Gina Cleo that is going to really stick with you. And please don't be a stranger. Let me know. You can let me know through DM at my daily business coach on Instagram, or you can send an email. Hello at my daily business coach.com. And of course, if you'd like to connect with Gina Cleo, you can find her over at Dr. Gina Cleo, C-L-E-O.com. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you are on social media and you'd like to connect with Dr. Gina Cleo and maybe let her know what you found useful from this, you can find her at Dr. Gina Cleo, all one word, on Instagram. And again, I will, we will <laughs> put the show notes and all the links over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 218 as this is episode 218. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com.